0: Hey, what's up folks? Welcome to another edition of Football Theory. I am Lifetime Lonehorn Rod Babers, pleased to be joined by the football coach. He is a former high school football coach at, make sure I get the list right, many of places. Uh, you got Capel, uh, uh, Burnett, Brownwood, Belton, Rotan.
1: Rotan,
0: Yeah, I got it right this time. Rotan, of course, he also was a college football player, played at Abilene Christian, uh, coached there as well. He's got a lot of things on his resume. I can't name them all. But you can check out his latest work at ShipleyRanches.com. That's right, ShipleyRanches.com. You can even see the really cool apparel from ShipleyRanches.com, yeah. Coach. I need one of them hats. Yeah, I got Here's yours. Coach Bob
1: Shipley. What's going on, Coach? Uh got yours in the mail, as far as you know.
0: Hey, I'm telling you, that's, <laughs> hey, that's that's sharp right there, Coach. That is sharp, man. I'm telling you, you look good. You're going to sell a lot of those. <laughs> uh, all right, Coach. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, as always. Glad to have you a part of the family. Let's get right into it. We've done the matchups, right? We've broken down Texas offense versus the Washington defense, Washington defense, uh, and then how they look. We've broken down the Washington offense versus the Texas defense. Let's just go into X factors here. Uh, and what we think might be X factors in this matchup between Texas and Washington. And uh, there are a number of things that I think could end up showing up and being way more impactful than actually, you know, we're analyzing or previewing um, something. I will admit that I have not um, I've not discussed enough uh, and that I, and I'm sure that you got a lot of experience in this and you know how important it is. So uh, you probably have thought about this a lot. I was listening to Chris Peterson, former Washington head coach and he was talking about what what he thinks are going to be the biggest determining factors in the matchup and he said no doubt it'll be Washington's offensive line versus Texas's defensive front and he said the Washington offensive line is the best pass blocking offensive line i think he said maybe the best pass blocking offensive line. So I don't want to go too, uh, too demonstrative there, but he said it's one of the best pass blocking offensive lines in all of college football. And then I hear over the, the, the break, the holiday break, by the way, that they end up uh, claiming the Joe Moore award for the best offensive line in the country. So it's very, uh, it's very possible that we and myself have underrated this offensive line, haven't talked enough about this matchup, Uh, Texas strength is their interior defensive line. I know you've watched a lot of Washington, um, but they have the fifth fewest sacks allowed in college football with 11. Last year, it was just seven, so 18 sacks allowed in two seasons. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., uh, only nine, I think it's nine and a half percent. Of all of the pressures against him are converted into sacks. That's a really low number for Quinn Ewers. That number is closer to thirty percent. They they actually are one of the better. I guess they claim to be the best offensive line in the country. Uh, What kind of factor do you think the offensive line for Washington is going to play in this matchup against Texas?
1: Well, I think we save the best for last because that that is the most certainly. Who knows how the game's going to play out, but it's certainly the most intriguing matchup when you look at the fact that they have you know, won the, the Joe Moore Award you know, for the nation's top uh, offensive line against a defense who had uh, – we had one defensive lineman that won the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year and another defensive lineman that won the Defensive Lineman of the Year Award <laughs> in the Big 12. Yeah. We've got eight players – on our team with two or more sacks, you know, so it is uh, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. It's one that, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, if I'm Washington, it, you still got to think it's going to be hard uh, to run the ball. You know, I, I think I, I could see Washington passing the ball to set up the run against against us. And when they do run, I, I really look for them to run more on the edges. You know, I just I just don't see them running straight straight ahead into the 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 teeth of that uh, bad bad time defensive line we have. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah. Now I will say this: the offensive line from Missouri, from what I can tell, you know, they've lost some players this season with some injuries. They they've got um, you know they don't have a lot of depth. They're going to have to keep everybody healthy, but it certainly on paper looks to be the key to this game. Uh, is the offensive line of the huskies versus the defensive front of the uh, longhorns for sure.
0: Since you bring up the injuries coach because you know everybody thought the injury to their starting center. Uh, they actually had a sixth year center for them who started the season. Um, and he was actually one of the strengths of that offensive line. Um, I believe it's uh, Melee Mele Mateo, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. If I, yeah. I could have gotten his name wrong, um, but he started out the season and he was sorry. I, I take it back, Mateo Melee. All right, so I just mixed it up. <laughs> it's Mateo Melee. He was a 6 year senior. Started out the season, got hurt in the second game, um, and then they moved the young bug Parker Brailsford, who was a redshirt freshman at right guard, moved him to center. And then bookended him on both sides with fifth-year juniors, Nate Calepo and Julius Buelo, all right? Um, and those guys basically have been the, I would say they are the stabilizing force for the young center, but he's been great. He's only allowed one sack. Now, the offensive line is only allowed five sacks. You look at the pro football focus numbers, which is really good, but he's been great. And they've coached really well to not put, to not overburden that young center. Usually he's involved with a lot of combo duo blocks. Uh, yeah. They, they, they do a lot of zone blocking in their interior runs. Uh So his strength, cause he's only 280, 290 pounds. He is light. All right, is that he's an athlete and he can move around really well. Now he has not faced a defensive front in the interior defensive line, what like a Defundre Sweat or a Byron Murphy, nothing even close to it. So it's possible Texas could overwhelm them, but he's actually been a, a saving grace for them. The thought would be their offensive line would be at a detriment when he ended up taking over as center. That was not the case. So the offensive line, like I said, it, it's been really good. I mean. We know that sacks also are a quarterback. You know, it's something that's attributed to the quarterback. Sometimes, you know, quarterbacks hold on to the ball too long. That is not Michael Pendix. He does not hang on to the ball. He gets rid of the football. I think, Coach, the comfort he has in his system, given he ran it at Indiana, his second year running it here at Washington, you know, that's three years. So he's had like three basically years in running in this system. He's comfortable with it, and I think that also helps him – avoid sacks with sack yeah. avoidance if you will because the ball yeah. is out and he does not hold on to the ball and he makes good decisions within the system because he trusts his knowledge of it yeah
1: i would i would look for our defensive staff to throw to throw everything at him. you know i mean they i mean i i think you start out and you you know you just see how it plays out you know with our with our pass mm-hmm. rush but yeah. um I think you're going to I think you're going to see us bringing some people probably bringing some pressures we haven't shown yet. And if we have, we haven't shown much uh, to, to, to offset that offensive line because, you know, you bring enough people, they can't block them, you know. Yep. And now there's probably maybe somebody running wide open behind them. But, <laughs> but you know, you're you bringing more people than they can block. That means they probably got more guys on the route that you can cover, especially not having help over the top, you know, you're not going to have any help back there. If, if, if everybody's covered, that's cool, but there's no, there's nobody else helping, but I've seen him dial up some stuff in big games this year where we have guys running scot free to get the quarterback. The problem is they've been elusive enough quarterbacks to be able, or we've taken bad angles. I'm not sure which Mm -hmm. they've been able to, uh, you know, you used to be able to coach those guys on those blitzes. you know, their angle was, was something that you coached, like, I mean, it was law, you coaches, yeah. because you knew the quarterback coach was telling the quarterback, to don't ever turn your back to the defense. That's what that's what all old quarterback coaches say. Well, now they do it all the time. You see them roll out, turn their back, <laughs> and so so now you don't know where to tell your guys what angle to rush at because man, you know they step up in the pocket, but now they're yeah. rolling out, and you know it's just it, it it makes it difficult. But I I I do think that we'll we'll dial up some nice blitzes and and try to keep them off balance a little bit.
0: I totally agree with you, Coach. You're gonna to have to because last year, you know how many times they sacked Michael Penix last year? Zero. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> also zero tackles for loss last season for Texas. As a matter of fact, all they had were eight quarterback hurries. When no quarterback hits, no quarterback knockdowns. They got to get to Penix this year. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's that, yeah. That's
1: not that doesn't look good.
0: Yeah, not, exactly. not in our favor. <laughs> uh so I think that's a big X factor. All right. Uh, Moving also, the offensive line, the run blocking, underrated. uh, If you look at late in the season, they were averaging 3.1 yards before contact per rush. That's a big O-line stat. Texas is really good, too. I think Texas is around 2.74. But still, I mean, that just shows you how good they are now by telling Texas defensive front, allowing 2.4 yards after contact per attempt. So uh, Texas defensive front, still one of the best and the most uh, formidable in all of college football. They'll be going up against the best O-line. In all of college football, Roger Rose Garden, Rosengarden, excuse me. The right tackle has allowed zero sacks this year. Uh, The left tackle, uh, Fautanu, who's actually a third team All-American, he has allowed two sacks this year. So they don't they don't leak a lot. No. Yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah. We're going to to bring out a game. You no know, doubt you about expect that
0: to do in the semifinals. Yeah, no question about it coach. Let's talk about something else that I uh, think is going to be an X factor in this game. I I, I also that uh, Chris Peterson interview that I referenced and I've said this too, I think this is going to come down to being a fourth quarter game um potential, you know, last possession scenario. Whoever has the last the ball last, that's who could end up winning this game given how prodigious, prolific these offenses are uh with two great quarterbacks and great supporting cast and great weapons. If that is the case, Michael Penix Jr. in his career has five game winning drives. Two of them this season, where the game's been on the line and he's got to go win it in the fourth quarter with a game winning drive. I believe Quinn Ewers has one game winning drive if I'm not mistaken. Uh, some, some something along those lines. I, I, I don't know if Texas has been in the situation, uh, you know, because I think they've actually had the lead a lot of the times and they close out games really well. So you you can make, make the argument against the Washington, they've been in a situation in so many close games where yeah, they've had right. to have the game winning drive scenario. Um, but he's got five of them in his uh career. Like I said, I think Quinn Ewers has one. If it does come down to that scenario, Quinn has got to go win the game, Game game-winning drive scenario. Um, He doesn't have a lot of experience doing it, and Michael Penix does. That could be an X factor, and not that uh, Quinn doesn't have the clutch gene, but he doesn't have the experience in operating in those clutch moments that a Michael Penix does because for him it almost feels second nature now. He's been there so many times and can easily visualize success in that scenario.
1: Yeah, that's true, and that, that's a good point. I, I do think that it says more about the situation that w- the Washington football team has put themselves into rather yeah. than uh, a lack of game-winning, uh, ice-in-his-veins, uh, Quinn Ewer heroics. He hasn't had that opportunity yet. I've seen nothing uh, in what Quinn Ewers does to prove that he can't do that, to show that he, he's not cool and calm. And a winner. I mean, I've seen a lot of things to show me that he is a winner. Mm. I know his high school coach very well. And, uh, Riley Dodge. And he certainly thinks he's, you know, capable yep. of doing that. He just hadn't had the opportunity. Uh, that, that's, that was, that's where I would, that that's where I would put my assessment of that. Yeah. You know, it's just that we haven't had the opportunities that they've had. I think Quinn is very capable of doing that, but, you know, I, I I can't. Of course, I'm trying to be positive here, but, but at the same time, no, you I know, really here's a that. guy. Here, here's a guy in Penix who's done it time and time a time again, five times. You know, he's got to feel certainly a lot more confidence in that than Quinn sim- simply because Quinn hasn't done it. But that doesn't mean he can't do it. I think he can. And um, I, I don't. I don't know. I I just had this gut feeling, Rod, that that momentum is going to take off in this game and somebody's yes. going to have to come from behind. You know, I I, I, can, I, I can see Ooh. some, I, I see some momentum and I see somebody trying to blow it open. And uh, I don't I know, like that. I may be wrong.
0: No, I like that because both of these offenses are capable of it. And yeah. you know, you know how momentum is in a big game, coach. I mean, it's it can be a tidal wave. It can yeah. overwhelm you, and it may sometimes it takes a while, sometimes it subsides, or it takes a while for the opposing team to you know we see that all the time. We see it in the Texas OU game. You yeah,
1: see it all sure. the time.
0: See yeah. one team get all the momentum early, and then another team come and snatch it back late. We've yeah. seen that. Uh it happened to Sark actually. Uh in his first year, he had all yeah, the momentum, sure. yeah, and then lost it all, right? And so yeah. I and I, I'm with you on that. I think in big games, you have to be wary of that as a coach. Um, you let me know, coach, that when you do start to feel when it's palpable that you're losing the momentum, or hell, maybe even when you've got all the momentum, do you coach it differently when you're when the momentum is all on your side and you're rolling all three phases? They're making plays, you're like, we got it, guys, we can steamroll. Is it did that change it? Or when you're when you realize it's all the momentum's against us, it's a tidal wave against us, do you coach it differently when that happens?
1: You know, what one of the things that that Tom Herman always talked about and i'm still not sure i believe it i don't i'm not sure i i'm, I'm going to buy into his philosophy but he used to tell us all the time that that momentum is a mirage you know mm. it's not real it's mm. just emo, it's emotions and it's you giving in to the emotion of the other team having the momentum so he he was always trying to prep his team uh when it seems like somebody else you know don't get caught up in the emotions of of somebody else having the momentum and it seems like everything's going your way and nothing's going your way you keep you keep swinging that axe you know one at a time one at a time that's all you can do and chip away at it and get that thing turned around but uh i don't know i've seen momentum can be an incredibly powerful force you know (laughs) And and if you let it get to you psychologically and, and and there's there's you know yeah. it depends on what side of that you're on. Yeah. You know the tendency is when you have that momentum to start basking in the glory, you know, and start start feeling that you're unstoppable, mm-hmm. and then you get hit in the mouth, and you know. Yeah,
0: I've been there, Coach.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have to tell you. Yeah. So. No,
0: that's a great. I love that momentumism mirage because you talk about it. it is I it is real, but it's. It's not if you don't allow it to affect you emotions. That's right. Yeah. And that's that's what yeah. Coach Herman was getting to. And I, I forget to mention, I apologize that uh among the many accomplishments for Coach Shipley, he's been on the staff at the University of Texas uh for for multiple coaches at University of Texas for five plus seasons. So coach, there's a lot of yeah. stuff on the resume. I apologize if I forget. no, that.
1: no, that's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, there's some right.
0: some of it I probably would not would rather not talk about. <laughs>
1: Some of those weren't great years, you know.
0: But hey. Some of them were fun. Hey, know? coach. Hey, that's hey, that's how you still put that on the resume, coach. It's still trust me, it's impressive. All right, it's impressive. Uh, okay, let's get to this because I think this is also could be an X factor. It, Penix is experiencing in this system. I don't know if we talk about it enough. He had he had Kaylin DeBord offensive coordinator at Indiana. Uh, then he comes here. He's been in this system now, what, going on, this is three years now, um, and he's really, really comfortable in that system. We've talked about how that plays a big role. The last quarterback Texas played who was more comfortable in their system or as comfortable in their system than a quarterback then, Michael Penix, was Dylan Gabriel. We had multiple years there with uh, was Josh Heupel and, uh, and, and Jeff Levy there with that kind of veer and shoot air raid offense uh, you, here at Oklahoma. There at Oklahoma, I should say. Uh, he also was running the same thing with uh, Jeff Levy in that offense. So you're talking about him. He hadn't put four years or more running the same system. Um, you know, that's, that's important. Uh, when a, a veteran quarterback running the same system, uh, Donovan Smith of U of H had been running the air raid system from his time at Tech and then was running it again there at U of H. And he made some plays throwing the football against Texas. Uh, the other quarterback I think that had a lot of experience in the same system going up against Texas probably was Will Howard, uh, running that Colin Klein system had been there for a while. When they were forced to throw the football, they made some plays uh, up against Texas. It's something about a quarterback comfortable in a system for uh, you know a certain amount. Look at Quinn now. Now look at Quinn now. Second year. Yeah. No, he looks in just his second year in the same system. Can you imagine his third year running that same system, how comfortable and confident he's going to be? That worries me a little. Now, I love it for Quinn, but it also worries me for Penix. Coach, talk about how how big of a difference that is, Like what? how much of an impact it is to have a quarterback comfortable running the same system and his knowledge of it.
1: Well, you know, that was some of the talk preseason – that that Texas didn't have, you know, these uh, two and three year starter stud quarterbacks that they were going to go against like they have in the past. Um, mm-hmm. You know, thinking about well, I'm not going to get into all of them we played in the past, but the, we hadn't really played. Uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel wind up being a, a great quarterback this season. We hadn't played any dogs at quarterback. I mean, we hadn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, we hadn't played any guys like Michael Penix, and that's that's another something that that uh, really makes this game intriguing because, you know, we played against some great quarterbacks in the past, multiple in one year, but we, I mean, you know, arguably the best one we played against, we lost, you know? So, Mm -hmm. so where is that, uh, you know, how does that fit in there? I, I, you know, I don't know, but, you know, you start looking at advantages, you know, you chalk that one up, uh, you know, Washington, they've seen some pretty good quarterbacks this year too.
0: And that's a great point, too. They have they've seen a Caleb Williams, you know, which is a Heisman Trophy win, who's best quarterback. They do see a Michael Penix in practice. McQueen, he was a really good quarterback. But I, I love what you said about a dog at quarterback. You know what it reminded me of, Coach? I don't know how much NFL you watch, but I don't know if you watched that 49er uh, uh, Baltimore Ravens game over the weekend. And all the advantages went to the 49ers, right? They got a lot, a lot of yeah. all pros. You know, they playing really well. They look like a machine out there. But when you got a dog, you go up against a dog at quarterback, like Lamar Jackson, man. Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. a great equalizer, you know. Yeah, and we we equalizer. haven't had we haven't had that this year. So yeah, we, you know, we 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 better be ready.
0: Yep, that's all they And Jalen Milroe. Yeah. He be, It seems like he became more comfortable. Remember, it was yeah. a brand new system for him. Yeah, He became more comfortable after Texas played him once he had a little bit more knowledge and I think once they started to cater things to his skill set. But you're right, man. Hey, Quinn, Quinn got that dog in him. All right, don't try he to does. worry about that. Yeah. Quinn got that dog. But going up yeah. against another dog, I'm with you, coach. That yeah. could be a little concerning. They better be yeah. ready. Um, yeah. All right, uh, other X factors in this game. Just kind of moving through it here. Uh, let's talk about... Pass interference. Let's talk, really, let's talk about Romeo Dunze. And that will get us to kind of the pass interference uh, stat I wanted to get to a little bit, too, um, before we close things out. And then it will get us to defending. I want to get your thoughts about defending certain passing concepts which are given Texas issues. But let's talk about Rome, Romeo Dunze. I saw a uh, – it was actually a tweet from Daniel Jeremiah. He does great work. Uh, he, did, he, he analyzes the NFL draft stuff. He does really good work. And he – pointed out, he does a a huge uh, draft evaluation um, uh, for like, I don't know, over a hundred something draft prospects when they come out. So he does his research and this is what he said in a tweet yesterday, working my way through the wide receivers in this draft class. And it's loaded uh, all caps loaded uh, personal favorite Washington's Romeo Dunze, big physical Easy mover, crisp route runner, big strike zone, tracks naturally, attacks ball, tackle breaker, dot, dot, dot. I could go on, in all caps, stud. That's what he said. I I got my Romeo Dunze stats here. Um, He has 62 receptions of at least 10 yards from scrimmage. So Our plays because sometimes they'll hand it off to him. So receptions are yeah, a place yeah, this yeah. year. uh By the way, to, to put that in perspective, I think Xavier Worthy's got 41, which ain't bad, but he's explosive. uh He's got seven red zone touchdowns this year, same as A.D. Mitchell. There you go. A.D. Mitchell's got seven. That's a pretty good number for him. He's 6'3", 215, so 17 contested catches. That's tied for the most in all of college football. He catches more than 70% of his contested targets, meaning when they just throw it up and it's a 50-50 ball with him, it becomes a 70-30 ball. Literally, <laughs> the numbers tell you that. He's second in 20-plus yard plays from scrimmage with 29. He's tied for fifth in 30-plus yard plays from scrimmage with 12. His teammate, Jalen Polk, is also he's got 11 of those, so he's pretty explosive too. And second in the FBS in receiving yards. Uh He's a grown man. When they asked Jade Barron about him, uh, Jade Barron's quote was, He's a great receiver. He has great ball skills. He goes up to get it at the highest point. Good, firm body. He kind of reminds me of A.D. Mitchell with the ball skills he has yeah. and just always able to locate the ball wherever the quarterback puts it. All right, Coach, you went up against some dudes, man, I'm in all your time. I'm sure you saw a couple of dudes. Um, what are you doing when do you go up against a dude? What's the game you
1: play? Well, uh, he's, he's- – the best receiver that we've seen this year. I mean, 81 receptions, over 1,400 yards. And remember he, he like cracked a rib, I think, and had a collapsed lung early in the season. I think maybe (laughs) October, um, you know, 13 touchdowns. He's, he's a guy here's, I, I think he's really good. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things
0: running, everything would suddenly stop hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you.
1: The good thing about it is, you're talking about AD Mitchell, RDBS go up against guys like him. This is true. You know they go they they go up against guys. They've seen guys like him. He's he's uh, I've watched a lot of film on him in the red zone, and he's he's good. I mean he 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 even though he's a tall yeah. taller receiver than average, uh, he's got some good stuff on the goal line in the red zone and uh you know he gets your hips turned and it's and it's over and uh all he's got to do is just have you behind him a little bit because you'll, you'll be chasing him you know he's yes. got i think he has good uh, explosion he's got good acceleration for a guy for a guy his size and a lot of times acceleration will also show up in vertical vertical leap to yes. a vertical acceleration and and that's where he shines man so he is going to be a huge uh Potential um, problem for us. I don't know how else to put. it. He could, he could be a thorn in our side because he is the best. And like you said, it's not like he's the only one that they have. No, you know. And I, I don't know that you'd see the production that we had out of exert out of Xavier without Mitchell. You know, if you you you've got to have you know other guys taking away you know some some of the load for you. But he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I like I said, I think. You got the best quarterback we've seen this year, and yeah. then you got the best receiver and the best offensive line. I mean, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be an amazing game.
0: And that at, after he actually uh, Romo Odunze, after he had the broken rib and the collapsed long, he couldn't fly on the plane. They had to put him on a bus because um, I believe it was a it was, a, Arizona, Arizona, was Arizona. I think pool. it was
1: Arizona. State. And he had yeah.
0: to he had to get on a Arizona bus State. back to Washington. And I believe the next week, he had a bye week, if I'm not mistaken. And if that was before maybe the Oregon game, and he had over 100 yards receiving in that game, and I want to say one thing, like the game-winning touchdown in that game. He's. Have you ever broke a rib? I have not, Coach. I have not. (laughs) Whoa, (laughs) man. You can't
1: even breathe. I mean, collapse lung? I mean, that's –
0: Come on. You know,
1: and and – and i tell you what though it's it's it, it's it's hard when you're when you're looking at opponents like that and then you read you start reading about this guy and you see oh man but he's the best dude off the field you'd ever run into i mean he is and so you're like man i love pulling for great dudes but not hey. not this week my friend now, exactly.
0: <laughs> now, all the reports are a coach he he might be the first receiver drafted off the board um so when's the last time texas played a receiver That was the first receiver drafted off the board i I, I want to say, it's, it's, I'm sure it's happened, but it's probably been a while. So yeah. he's one of them, and I'm sure they're going to have a great game plan for him. But you can't May get
1: Jefferson, maybe LSU. Oh, you right.
0: Know. No, and you got to be right about that. Jamar, they had Jamar and Chase. They had Justin yeah. Jefferson on yeah. that team. Yeah. Yeah, coach, yeah. you're right. Good memory, coach. Good stuff. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll also throw this out there. You can't get preoccupied over, you know, can't get overly uh, kind of, you know, worried and, right. uh, you know, exactly. can't have your game plan be too Romeo Dunes eccentric because they got two other guys, Jalen Polk, uh, who's also, I think, an NFL caliber receiver and Jalen McMillan, who's also an NFL caliber receiver. Um, all right, uh, moving on because there's a lot uh, to be concerned about here. Pass interference calls on deep balls. This team throws the deep ball more than any other Power Five team, I think, out there. They, uh, if you go look at Michael uh, Penix Jr., he is completing over 40, not over at 40 percent of his deep balls, which is a really high number um, for deep balls. That's a low percentage throw, and they kind of make it a high percentage throw. When you got great weapons, you got a really good quarterback off all kind of nfl caliber guys um you can convert on deep balls in that way um but the, the what i found is that when i started looking at the deep balls that texas defended this year coach found that close to 90 percent of their pass interference calls actually came on deep balls yeah uh, a lot of pass interference calls on deep balls and by the way not all of them were what i thought should have warranted a flag some of them did yeah actually some of them did justify a flag uh, but I thought it was interesting that, yes, that's where and I would love to see the. I don't have the average. I'm trying to go find the average of pass interference, pass interference calls on D balls. I don't know what that is. I'm sure this is way above the average for Texas. Texas doesn't have a lot of PI flags um, all season long, but I did find out that, you know, teams tested them deep and at times they were out of position. Um, and that's why the flag, it called. And there were some flags, as we saw in the Oklahoma State game, uh, the Big 12 title game. There probably should have been a PI. There wasn't a PI. Yeah, Uh,
1: right.
0: That this this is going to come up in this game. Going up against a team that throws the football deep more than any team you've played this year with the caliber receivers they have with the amount of contested catches and jump balls that Michael Penix potentially could throw to receivers. The pass interference thing is going to come up, whether it's called or not called Um, in your uh, experience. You know, is there a way for for DBs to guard against? I mean, I, I played the DB position, and it seems like now guys are getting called for more contact downfield than when I played. Um And you know, maybe that's a technique thing. Maybe that's a sign of the times. Uh, I think it's going to come up in this game too, again for for the Texas DBs. Yeah.
1: Well, I feel like I'm, you know, hitting here talking to you, kind of like, you know, telling Elvis Presley how to, you know, handle his his voice, you know, when he's when singing. <laughs> So I'm not the one to be telling you how, how to stop a guy like that. Okay. I'm, I don't know that I'm even going to touch that. No, but I, I, I do think it seems like to me, I don't, I'm not the stat man like you are, but it seemed like to me, that was earlier in the season. It doesn't seem like we've had as many uh, l- l- later. That it seemed like we're doing a better job of getting our, our, our head turned back around. You know, that's, that's what we were getting. them. we, we, you know, we weren't, We weren't even trying to turn around it seems like and you know you and i talked about this a little bit too one time it's not always a bad thing i mean it it it, it, depending on what the game situation is obviously and if you're gonna if you know you're gonna give up a touchdown and you beat but uh but i i think we've come i think we've come a long way in that i don't know how you defend i think you got i mean i i think the safest ways to have help over the top but whether we can afford to do that and still stop the running game, you know, I don't know. The more, Obviously, the more people, you know, you put back there, the more open lanes you're going to have, you know, to break off some runs. But yeah. uh, c- certainly passing situations, I would love some help over the top with him, uh, especially, uh, you, know, w- you know, with our safeties coming in. They have uh, a-, a lot better angle to make a play on a ball. Without getting pass interference, as opposed to somebody who's trailing him, yeah, you know that's that's just my opinion.
0: I'm and not... they they did that last year, coach. They defended the deep ball really well. Washington only completed one deep ball, and it was on the first play of the game. Right, that's right. Player, and I believe a lot of the game, Texas played with two deep safeties to have you know someone over the top. And I I don't think there were passing any pass interference calls. I got to go back and look at it, but I don't think there were any. I don't. I don't, think, th- I don't
1: remember. I yeah. watched it a few times. I don't think. Uh, uh,
0: and Texas, but you like though. Texas were susceptible to the to the run game, and that's yeah. the key. I think this year one of the big keys is going to be can they stop the run with an empty box? I'm sorry, yeah. empty box, a lighter box, not empty box. Right. a lighter box. If they can stop the run with a lighter box, I think they they win the game, and it's yeah, I think they actually win it, and it's not as close as I previously thought it would be. Um, if they don't, if they can't stop the run with a light box, and like you said, they're running to the edges, or maybe unconventional run game ends around quarterback draws, things of that nature, then we could see a you know a different outcome. But I think that might be one of the keys because last year they could not stop the run with a light box, and they were you know they were gashing the run game.
1: Yeah, well, I think you hit you hit the nail on the head right there. That that that's the key. If you can't stop the run with a light box. Then uh, it it could be a long day for us, a long night for us. Yeah. But if you, if, and if you can somehow, if you can, and I and I and I know we're better, I know we're better with a front seven than we were last year.
0: Yep. Agreed.
1: Uh, but you know, a, as a coach, and you know how it is, you would listen to coaches and figure out the game plan. You know, as goes throughout the week, but this is what we're gonna to try to do. They may not tell they may not specifically tell the players this, but they're certainly thinking this is how we're gonna start. If this doesn't work, then I got another game plan over here that I'm gonna pull out and this is yeah. what we're gonna do. You exactly. know at least at least until we can kind of get control of the game and then maybe go back. Not that you would completely throw a scheme out, but I I like that thought that a light box could be the key uh for us defensively whether we're going to be able to stop the deep ball.
0: Yep. All right. Last thing before we go, coach. And this is something I noticed. I went and looked at all the uh, the third and fourth down conversions for Washington last season in at Alamo Bowl. Um, they they converted over 50, 50% of their third and fourth down conversions, actually close to 55% of their third and fourth down conversions. And a lot of them were when they were defending targets to bunch formation, which are closely clustered groups of receivers, tight twins, stack twins. Uh, I noticed that uh, they were actually they were actually 80 plus percent conversion rate, targeting bunch on third and fourth down uh, on inside breaking routes. Uh, Washington last season, over 50% conversion rate on inside breaking routes last season uh, on third and fourth down. And um, also empty formation was something that Texas struggled to defend um, on uh, third and fourth down, money downs, basically. So money downs determined a lot of what happened last season and those particular concepts, which, by the way, Texas has struggled this season defending. Um, I have Texas allowing over 70% conversion rate versus starting quarterbacks, uh, defending bunch formations this season on uh, money downs, uh, something very similar inside breaking routes over 50% conversion rate uh, to starting quarterbacks. That is something they struggled with It's something that Washington did really well last season um, as a coach. When you have to deal with any type of team that did really like exotic formations, which start those by the way, compressed sets, condensed sets, Tight twins, stack twins, uh, bunch formations. I mean, what do you do uh, as a as a coach when teams are getting that exotic with you? That that's one way
1: that you could dictate the coverage is is by getting in into a bunch set. You know, you you know, you're not going to see man. And, and and by the way, as you know, as we were talking, you know, you see so much motion nowadays. A lot of times, the offensive coordinators use it a motion to to determine what the coverage is to see if somebody's running with the guy across the formation or not. Doesn't mean that it's not going to be man. But it's a better chance that you're going to see a zone when nobody's running across. Well, when you see a tight bunch like that, uh, you you know they would love for you to run man because they can just you know pick you. Uh, yeah. We call it on offense. We call it picking.
0: On, yeah.
1: defense, on offense, we call it rubbing. On defense, you call it picking. It's a pick, right? There you, <laughs> you go. Exactly. Yeah, it's illegal, by the way. <laughs>
0: but, uh, a rubbing is illegal. Like- a pick is illegal. <laughs>
1: going 56 miles an hour in a 55 it's illegal <laughs> but they ain't gonna call it you know so that that is that that's a formation that I love to use and I hate defending you know yeah. because probably it's probably gonna be a quick it's probably gonna be a, a, a quick release pass it's gonna you know it's not something that you're not putting the guys in, in in a bunch to let them run all the way down the field in different directions you're trying to create some openings in that zone to get mm-hmm. uh you know, a, a a sure first down, for example, exactly. you know, and, and that, and that's something that, that I can see us, uh, you know, maybe having some problems with, obviously we worked, we worked on that. We're working on it. Uh, i I like to have somebody up there, you know, trying to try to reroute somebody, you yep. know, even, even though you can't obviously reroute all of them, but, you know, just try to put a little bit of kink in their plans if you can somehow, but, uh, but it's a, it's a tough way to, it's a it's a tough thing to have to defend and then it's a lot it's it's a lot easier to flood a zone when you have and and obviously that's that's how you beat zone defense most people try to beat zone defense by flooding a zone you know and uh it's it's tough to defend for sure what do you think about it
0: yeah what did you think about it as a db when you lined up and saw that it's right now it's the most troublesome concept i think for texas defend it yeah you're right i can't be aggressive now, there's one person that can't be aggressive. That's the point, man. Whoever's on the line of scrimmage, you put that guy on the line of scrimmage. But everybody other than that, they have to read and react to the route and read and react to the release of the receiver. You can't afford to be too aggressive because if you're too aggressive. You said you get picked, you get rubbed, then a guy's running wide open and all it takes the quarterback to make an easy throw. So it, I just think it, it – first, it gives receivers a free release, which is already – Uh, you know, a bad idea to give them a free release. And in addition to the free release, I think it widens the windows for the quarterback because at one point, one of those guys, if they're trying to play tight coverage, they're going to get picked because the routes are designed that way. But if they're not playing tight coverage, you'll get an easy completion because the guys are playing right too passive. So either you're going to be too passive or you're going to be too aggressive. Either one can get you in trouble. And I think Texas will err on the side of being too caught, being too passive, and give up the easy completion rather than be way too aggressive with all their DBs. I could be wrong, and then allow a guy to get picked and ends up running wide open. So yeah. we'll, it all depends on what they want to play. I think on money downs though, they should be aggressive. Money downs, you should go after it. Yeah, if it's a, a right. standard down, I'd I'd play it a little bit off, but on money downs, which is where they're they're getting the conversions. I'd play everybody aggressive because, like you said, coach, that's when they're trying to get short, easy completions, quick ones. They're
1: right. just trying to
0: get their quarterback to get the first down. Um, all right, a lot of stuff. You know, you know. Let me let me just let me just end it by saying this: a, a lot of people, just
1: the re- average layperson, they think defenses are designed to stop every play cold and it's trapped. I mean, you need to try to stop every play, you know. And mm-hmm. trust me, there are a lot of times as a defensive coordinator. You're you're just you're trying not to give up the big play. You'll give them some stuff. You give them, you'll give them some stuff, but you know you're not going to let anybody behind you. You're not going to get beat beat deep, whatever. You you know as they say, you let, let them throw the ball shallow, rally to the ball. Um, yep. Sometimes that's a win. It may be a first down, but still still could be a win because you're just trying to keep them in front of you and just die a slow death. You know if you can mm-hmm. hang on until they make a mistake.
0: Yeah, exactly. That, people don't realize that. That's a great point to bring up because I love how you ended it till they make a mistake. Putting together double digit play drives, playing perfect football, all 11 guys is highly it's tough. unlikely. Yeah, you're right. It's <laughs> tough. <laughs> Everybody getting everybody playing assignment sound, getting the right block, running the right routes. You know, the the quarterback seeing everything perfectly, nobody committing a penalty for all and you know, for having no negative play. And basically, essentially, the defense not making a play for double digit plays on a drive is really, really tough. And that's what Bill Walsh always said the late, great Bill Walsh I need you need explosive plays. The most important play in football is explosive plays. And the reason wasn't just because he wanted chunk yardage plays. He said, because the likelihood of me putting together double digit play drives without us making a mistake or getting a negative play or screwing it up, is just really, it's really hard. It's highly unlikely. But when I get that chunk yardage play, it don't have to be a 12, 13 yard, uh, 13 play drive. It can be a six, uh, seven play drive. Instead, yeah, exactly. Great point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, I'm with you, Coach 100. Once again, dropping great knowledge. All right, uh, Coach, uh, we appreciate the time as always. Um, any last words here? I think this might be the last football theory before the game. So, any yeah, last yeah. words before uh, the Longhorn fans get ready well, to wipe You and I will talk next game? week, and you and I will
1: talk next week, and we'll talk about how our feelings were right on, or man, we, we were so off, we didn't. We, we, <laughs> The game went nothing like what we thought, but as 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 well as we could put together scenarios, and with your incredible facts, you know the phantom of facts, baby. I don't know how where they come from, but you get them. Uh, I think we covered it pretty well. It's going to be an exciting game, a game that's going to go a long way to determining the future of our program. It can. It 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 certainly can. No doubt.
0: No, I'm with you, coach, uh, and I. Honestly, I got a good feeling. Usually I got, you know, butterflies or the bubble guts. And uh, this time I got a good feeling about this team because uh, they made me a believer. Uh, and I think at the beginning of the year, I don't know if all of us were believers, they were a championship caliber team. Uh, but I think I think this team has got great football character. Championship character, that remains to be seen. Uh, all yeah. right, this is a man who's got championship character. That's Coach Bob Shipping. Thanks, Coach. We appreciate the time as always. Hey, man. Hook him. Uh, and as Coach said, we'll see y'all next week. Hook em.